Praise the Lord. Please join me in a brief word of prayer, and we'll get started in the word. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I just humble myself before you, and, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, be a vessel used by you to deliver your word to the, uh, to the people you love and care for so much. And I pray it be delivered to the edifying and blessing of all, to the glory of, of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to start in the book of Philippians today. Verse 10. I'll start verses 10 through 14. And Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am seeking, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Today's message title is content in all situations. Paul is writing to the Philippians here while he is in prison. His situation is not praiseworthy. His situation is not the kind of situation that we often would be content in. And he says something in verse 13 that often gets our attention. All of us have had this on our mirrors, uh, on our refrigerators, uh, wherever it is that we hang it, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I don't know how, you've meant it, how you meant it, but oftentimes it gets mischaracterized. We use this verse as though in any situation, you know, I can do anything. There's nothing that I can't do. As though we're super Christians and that we just have victory and, and we have our way in everything that we want. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Remember, Paul is in prison when he's writing this. That's not having his way. If it meant what we th if if it meant what we think we meant or how we apply it a lot of times, then Paul would just apply this scripture and just walk right out of the prison. And my prayer is that we'll understand what that meaning and significance of that is and how Paul means it when he states it in the middle of this letter to the Philippian church. But he gives us a clue in the preceding verse. 
As I said, Paul was in prison as he wrote it. And while he appreciates the gifts he received from them, he wants the Philippian church to know that he is not dependent upon their gifts. Nor is he seeking more provision from them. And he does say, it was kind of you to remember me. It was kind of you to share in my troubles. I appreciate it. I'm not, I'm not uh, dismissing it. It's not that I don't appreciate it. It's just that I don't find my contentment in it. I'm not speaking to you out of need. I've learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. Can you be content in any situation? Brittany's nod in her head. Can we be content in any situation? And I'm just honestly... I'm not there yet. There are some situations in which I will not be content. And I've got to own that before God. God isn't going to beat me up for it, but he also doesn't want me to accept that. There are situations that I found myself in. The only thing I could think about was getting out. Not having to deal with it. Running away. Cal gone. Take me away. You had to have been there. If you're not, I don't know, you probably at least got to be 40 to know that commercial. Just want to run away. And because you want to escape. You don't want to be under the pressure of it any longer. You don't want to have the anxiety of it any longer. You just, you just have an inability to find contentment because what you're going through is not pleasing. It's not edifying to you. It doesn't seem to be beneficial in any way. All it's bringing in your life is something negative as far as you can see. But Paul introduces a principle here, an important biblical principle of contentment. Now, I, I Googled up the definition of contentment, and uh, the first, I just took the first, first search result, and it said, a state of happiness and satisfaction. That's the definition you'll get when you look in the dictionary, but I'm more concerned with what Paul means by it. what God means by it. I'm going to read that again. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He learned that through walking with God through tough circumstances. 
He learned that probably through trial and error, praying and praying many times for God to give him relief and for him not to have to go through certain things, only to find that God allowed him to go through those things. And, and he, he discovered that as the more he went through those things, he discovered a pattern that even though those were circumstances that weren't favorable to, favorable to him, even though those weren't circumstances that were pleasant to him, he saw God work in them. And in some of those circumstances, many of those circumstances, he saw people come to the Lord through it. And so in that, he began to identify with what Christ did for us. And so he learned not to associate his contentment or not to tether his contentment to his desires. His wants. But to trust God in them and let God move the way he wants to move. And he says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to be. I know how to abound. Some people can function fine with lack because they're familiar with lack, but give them abundance and they lose their minds. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I know how to win. I know how to lose. I know how to walk in the blessing of God. I know how to to, to walk in, in need. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Abundance and need. And then he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see what he's getting at here? This isn't about I'm facing this opponent. And although this is a tough opponent, I can do all things. I can beat this opponent through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can have my way through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. He's saying it doesn't matter the situation, whether it's one of abundance or one of lack. If I'm in abundance, I don't want to get a big head. I don't want to get conceited. I don't want to have the never enough mentality to where what I have isn't enough and I want more and more and more and more just to feed my wants like a glutton. I want, to, I want to be temperate. I want to be self-controlled. I want to not let my appetites own me, but to yield my appetites to the one who does. And I can do that through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And I don't have to worry about what I don't have, how I'm going to meet the next bill, how I'm going to eat the next meal, how I'm going to put clothes on my back or my family's back because I don't have to, I don't have to fret with anxiety over it because I know who my provider is. And while I don't know how it's gonna, the need's going to be met, I know the one who provides for me is faithful. So whether I'm in abundance or lack, I can be content because of who I'm relying on in both situations. And I know... Put it on our helmets, we put it on our eye black, we put it on whatever in sports and everything, but 
And, and, and I don't want to diminish that because it may not be how the athletes or the coaches or whoever mean it in that moment when they're relying on that scripture. But it looks like when we're watching them on the field as they're scoring the touchdown or making the interception, doing all those things, that, that, that they're applying that verse for their personal success. When they pro- when more than likely they're applying that that they're applying that verse in the weight room. When they're making sacrifices and 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 not being able to do the same things that their friends are doing because they have something that they're going after. They're probably applying that verse when they're living for God while they're an athlete and, and all this and, or a coach. They're living for God. And there's a lot of temptations, a lot of people who are trying to lure them into a life that may be acceptable within the group, but is not acceptable before God. And they're like, hey, look, I can do this. I can do this well. And I don't have to fall to the trappings that come with this fame and, and glory. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? And so we've got to realize this scripture is not a guarantee of our personal success, but, but, but a guarantee of God's provision for us. And sometimes that provision is just to be able to endure what we're going through. You heard someone say, man, if I had to go through what you went through, I, I, I just wouldn't have made it. You know what? Me neither. But God. I didn't make it by myself. I didn't make it alone. I didn't make it in my own strength. I made it because in my weakness, his strength was made perfect. Are you hearing me? And I'd like for us to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, And I want to read the words of Paul as to when he talked about I've learned to be content in all these circumstances. I've learned to be brought low and abound in all those things. He has a list of things that he gives in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 of what those things are. He gives an account of the various situations in which he learned to be content. Um, I'm going to read verses 21 to 28. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. Ooh, he's getting a little prideful, isn't he? No, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman. He's, he's trying to make a point. I'm a, uh, uh, I'm a better one with far greater labors, far more imprisonments. Here's the list. Greater labor, far more imprisonments with countless beatings. He couldn't even remember how many times he was beaten in his efforts to advance the gospel. And often near death. There were times that he was beaten so badly, he was near death. 
And yet this man persisted in advancing the gospel. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I mean, Paul went through it as the apostle of the Lord to the Gentiles. He went through it. There were times when the glory of the Lord abounded and, and many came to the Lord and many were healed and, and there was many a praise report and, and there's reason to be excited but there were also times when he's in prison shackled, beaten, hungry adrift at sea, shipwrecked I mean beaten, beaten almost to death over and over and over again and yet he continued and according to him he learned to be content during the events listed in this verse just as much as he was content when he saw the glory of the Lord manifested in people's lives. How is that possible? How could he manage to be content through all of that, much less in any of it. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll continue with it, but it's hard for me to relate to him there. I can relate to him to a certain degree, but I've not been through much of what he's listed here. I haven't been tested to that degree, and many of us haven't. But what if you are? What, what if that's on the horizon? What if we're on the verge of things turning so harshly against, against Christians, against the gospel, that this becomes a very real possibility for us? Then we're going to need to know, we're going to need to comprehend, we're going to need to understand what Paul is talking about it, so that we can grab a hold of it, of what he has that enables him to continue to go forward in the things of God in the face of all that and be content. Because I can tell you when it turns, I've read the end of the book. When it turns, it ain't going to unturn. When it turns, it's going to be that way. That's going to be the new reality. And, and, and we are going to have to function as witnesses for Christ in that new reality. 
And what we find, what we tend to find our contentment in today is not going to be sufficient for that day. Are you hearing me? We're going to have to learn to find our contentment, the same contentment that Paul found in order for us to be able to stand strong in the evil day. Are you hearing me? So how should we as Christians understand this concept of contentment and, you know, and, and what is, we got to understand it and how do we walk in it? I'm going to deal with a couple of different areas of life that, that I feel Paul touches on in his own experience. First issue I'm going to talk about is, 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 is possessions, things, stuff. I know we're at a position in our lives, of course, when you have a big family, you probably can't help but do that, but when you've had a house that's been lived in by six people for, you know, well over 20 years, you tend to accumulate a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I don't know if it matters that much if it's six people or not, but I know we've accumulated a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of stuff that when our days are done on this earth ain't going with us. But we had to have them. We had to. Couldn't do without them. And once we got them, we wanted other stuff. <laughs> I would be happy, I would be content if I can just have one of those. Get it? And it's not that long but after you get it, you want something else. If I get that, I can be content. And they say, you know, you got a house full of stuff that you were supposed to be contented once you got it, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to feed the hunger. You continue to want more and more and more. You have industries built on it, making billions. I would say even social media platforms thrive off of it. Sometimes you don't even know what you have to have until you see somebody else with it. I didn't even know that existed. But my goodness, now that I know and that person has it, I want it to. And we get to that point to where contentment for us becomes a deal of my happiness is contingent upon what I can acquire. My happiness is contingent upon what I desire. And if I don't get it, I, 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 I can't be content. If I don't get it, I can't be satisfied. If I don't get it, I can't be happy. And Paul resolved that issue in himself when he said, look, everything that was of value to me, I counted as dumb for the excellency of knowing Christ. That's how he can be content. Right? His titles, his, his, the material things, the, the, 
the aspirations of his life that, he, that, that once meant everything to him, those things aren't the things that define him anymore. Those are the things that don't define success and failure in life anymore. Once God knocked him off that donkey on the way to, this, on the way to Damascus, his paradigm shifted and, 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 and he re, reoriented his perspective to one of a godly, one of a, one of a kingdom perspective. And everything fell beneath his relationship with God. The things that meant that once had great value to him did not have value anymore. The things that he felt he had to achieve or had to have didn't mean as much to him anymore. The thing that did matter to him was what God's will was for him. Where God, you know, the, the mission that God gave him to spread the gospel to the Gentiles, to be the apostle to the Gentiles, that mattered to him. Was to obey God in the thing that God called and commissioned him to. And whatever it was that he had to endure in the pursuit of that, he could be content in it. Because God's will was being accomplished he was walking in obedience to God can that can we find a contentment in that well that's kind of a tricky question can we yes ask yourself that question about contentment can you find contentment strictly in what God has called you to? Can you find contentment in who you are in Christ? What God has gifted you to do, what God has commissioned and called you to do, is that enough to content you? Does God have to make you wildly successful to be contented? Or is God enough to content you? Does God have to keep you from suffering lack? From being brought low in order for you to be content? Or is God enough to content you even in that low position? That's the question I throw out there. It's for you to ponder. It's for you to meditate on. It's for you to address within yourself and the Lord. I believe the Spirit is moving right now, and he's, he's, he's dealing with hearts. He's speaking to you where you're at right now, revealing to you where you're at right now. Not to shame you, not to condemn you, but, but to bring to light, to bring to the surface the truth of the matter so you can deal with it in faith. And, and my charge to you would be to let him do that important work in your life, to humble your heart, to let go of the stuff you feel that you need to have. Um, 
Paul's willingness to let go of the stuff. The, his willingness to no longer esteem or value the stuff as highly as he once did. It's not that God doesn't want you blessed. It's not that God doesn't want you to be able to have stuff. But he does but he doesn't want you to be well, he doesn't want you to be driven by. He doesn't want you to be owned by the the need to have those things. I've said it before. Jesus said in this life you will have troubles. So it was never God's intent. I don't know where we got this, the, the impression from, but he never said that stick with me and you're never going to go through anything again. And if you ever face anything you don't like, you go ahead and bind that devil because it's not for me. But that's how we act. That's how we feel. It's like, whoa, if I don't like it, if it's, if it's bad to me, then it's got to be the devil because my God would not allow me to go through anything that is not pleasant. I do not know what translation you've been reading if you think that. Because he's been very upfront about it. You're going to face troubles with be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. Right? And I see person after person after person in the Bible that that faced incredible odds, incredible opposition, uh, health, physical challenges. And yet through it all, despite their weakness, the power of God was revealed and manifest in those situations. And God still wants to operate that way. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are we willing to be brought low so that he might be exalted? That's what Jesus did on the cross, right? That's what he did when he came to earth. He took upon himself the attitude and mindset of a servant. Even though he was king of kings and lord of lords, he made himself of low estate. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen? So we're going to have to be willing to let go of the stuff. We're going to not just to let go of the stuff, but let go of the notion or the idea of the pursuit of stuff and the idea that it, we can find contentment in it. See, our contentment is misplaced if our contentment is viewed as being tied to what we can attain. So I want to challenge you that way. God wants to really get a hold of us um, In that area, as a matter of fact, I once, uh, there's a lot of people, we got more wealthy people than ever in this world. Hey, God bless them. I'm not mad at them. But I wonder 
if the pursuit of the wealth, in their pursuit of the wealth, whether or not they have sacrificed something more valuable. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Because there will come a day when your wealth won't be able to do anything for you. Your, worth, your, your wealth can make you live, a, live comfortably, and it can provide things for you that most people can't attain while on this earth. But when your hour comes, your wealth can't do anything about that. And if you spend a lifetime pursuing that, you're sacrificing the greater thing that pertains to eternity. Amen? Uh, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'll start with the third verse. I'll uh, read through the verse 10. Third verse says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He, is an, he has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. I mean, this is rampant in our society. Whether you're, whether you're talking politics or anything else, this is rampant here. And, and I'm telling you, if you want to know how you ought to conduct yourself in this society, uh, how you're supposed to represent God well, you need to be meditating on scriptures like this. Because we got to remember the doctrine, the teachings of Jesus. And and it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter what the new normal is or what's acceptable in today's culture. That's not what we should be going by. What we should be going by is what the truth of God's word is. Right? And so, you know, this teaching, it says that if you were to share this with someone, a fellow believer, and so we're talking about believers here, and they don't agree with this, then they're puffed up with conceit and they don't understand anything. And here's what causes that, an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words. Words which produce envy, dissension, slander. If, if the words you engage in produce these things, it's time to disengage. It, it, it's time to repent before God. It's, it's, it's time to course correct because at that point we're not being a representative of the Lord we are being conformed to the ways of the world instead of being transformed by the renewing of our minds you know and there's not a lot of you know I don't know how if there's a lot or not but I don't know how often you hear this or you get challenged in this way but I feel duty bound before God to do that very thing out of love. Now, not out of here to tell you that I've arrived and you haven't and to beat you up, but to call you up. All right? This is where we need to be. This is how we need to be 
thinking and processing and, and conducting ourselves in this depraved world, right? So uh, we don't need to be uh, in, in quarreling and craving controversy and quarreling about words in ways that produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who themselves are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. So we have to be other-oriented. There are people out there in this dark world who don't know what you know, don't know how deceived they are. And, 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 and these deceptions are having great effect on them and will continue to do so if truth isn't elevated and exalted. And if we, and if we can stop being discontent with the, thing, with the way things are, and, and learn from Paul to be content that, okay, the situation is what it is. Whether this society is living up to the notion that we are a Christian nation or is failing to live up to the notion that we are a Christian nation is not the argument that we should be having. What we should be, what we should be focused on is whatever the condition of the society that we're in, God, here I am. How do I be a light in this generation? How do I represent you well where you have me? How do I bring you glory, right? How do, how do I help people see the heart of Jesus who died for them and rose again? Who loves them where they're at? But unless they repent, Judgment still hangs over them. But God's heart is to give them mercy. It's to be reconciled with them. How do we do that? And all these arguments and controversies and everything just get us off of the square that we should be standing on. But he says, and he goes on, and, and oh, verse 5, constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Well, you know, church, we're, in, in some circles of us have given that impression that that's what it is, and it gets devolved down to something that's to be used for your gain. And you'll be blessed when you're walking in godliness, but that shouldn't be your motivation to walk in it. Godliness isn't always, it's oversimplification to say, Godliness is to be for great gain because if it's for great gain, then anything that's a hardship, it's hard to consider that godliness. If I'm going through a travail or a trial or a tribulation, oh, whoa, 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 godliness is supposed to be gain. And we can, we can reject that which is of God due to bad doctrine. But godliness with we're going to get to this now. But godliness with contentment is great gain. See, don't just say godliness is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. God, I'm not in a constant attitude of asking you for more. I'm not this unsatisfied, spoiled spiritual brat that always wants my way. And if I don't get my way, I'm always whining and complaining about what I don't have relative to what somebody else does. God, I'm going to go to you 
because I know you're a faithful father who loves me and, 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 and you are my provider. And if I have a need, I'm supposed to go to you. But my priority is not my need. My priority is honoring you, obeying you, doing what you've called me to do. That's my priority. And in the doing of that, needs come up. Godliness with contentment. So contentment is an important part of godliness that leads to gain. So we got to remember what Paul said. I've learned to be brought low. I've learned to be content in lack. I've learned to be content in unfavorable circumstances. I don't need everything to work out for me. I don't need to have my way in every area to be content. I'm content as long as I'm doing what I know God told me to do. And I'm not bound by some self-described limitation that I place on God's ability to do something a certain way. Look, I don't know how God's going to do it. I sure don't bring a whole lot to the table in this situation. If, it, if this thing turns to my good, it's going to have to be all God. And God is like, perfect. It's going to have to be all God, but you know what? Until God works it out, I know I'm going to continue to believe. I'm going to continue to trust. I'm going to be content. Uh, I'm going to be content to be here as long as I know God wants me here. I'm not going to long for being on the other side of it or outside of this. This is where God has me. I'm going to learn to be content. God's going to give me what I need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember what we said? In this situation, I can do all things. No, I, I can't put up with this any longer. I can't bear it another second. Yeah, you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. When I'm feeling strong, I don't need, I don't feel like I need to be strengthened. We need to be strengthened when we feel weak, when we feel not up to the task, when we feel incapable. That's, that's the blessing of that verse. It's like when we feel the most inadequate, he strengthens us. We can do all things. So I want you to know that when you feel that way, you can encourage yourself with that verse the right way. I can't put up with this any longer. The, 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 the inner turmoil in my heart and in my soul based on this constant bombardment of what people are subjecting me to. I cannot handle this. You're right. You can't in your own strength. But you can handle all of it through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. See, it's a constant acknowledgement of who our supply is. It's a constant acknowledgement of who Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? And we need to appreciate the truth of that. Right? So, you know, but he says, take upon me my yoke. For my yoke is easy and the burden is light. So 
He's letting you know that you need to trust the fact that he is your constant supply. So you don't have to consider the situation and, and, and whether or not you want to get involved. God's really calling you to it, but I've got to count the cost here because, you know, uh, I got to make sure there's a great chance for success here because I don't want to do it if it's going to lead to failure. It's like, no, no, no. Well, your contentment is misplaced at this point because if God is telling you to do something, you need to do it. If God is telling you to stay put in a place you don't want to stay put because the place you're at is not a very fun place to be, then you're going to have to find your contentment in obeying God. And trust that he is going to somehow work it for your good. Uh, All right, sorry. Uh, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Doesn't matter how rich you get. Doesn't matter how well off you are. You didn't, you, naked you came into the world, you're going out that way. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. See, this is why it's so important to talk about it. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a million dollars in the bank. But, but for the pursuit of this, how many people are mortgaging their future to live at a standard today that you can't afford to live in. You know, that, that's that same desire for people who want to be rich. Right? At some point, there's going to be a bill to pay. And so, when is enough enough? That's another question. When is enough enough? And can we be content with such things as we have? Godliness with contentment. It is the constant, unsatisfying pursuit of more that will drive you askew of the faith. And pierce yourself with many arrows. So don't think this only applies to the rich. It it applies to a pursuit that drives the rich. But that same pursuit drives us to want to live above our means. And we've got credit cards full up everywhere. We've got debt everywhere. And I'm not trying to shame anybody. Hey, uh, we've we've had to go through some of the same issues. And God is dealing with us in those ways as we balance the books and and prioritize and and bring ourselves in order in some of these areas that we're out of order in. And so just let God speak to you where he wants to speak to you and respond to him in faithful obedience. Um. 
We're at 11.32, so I will finish with a question, uh, probably a two-part question. Right now, at this point in your life, we're talking about the issue of contentment. What is the one thing separating you from contentment or joy in your life? The one thing you feel like, if I had this, it may not be a thing as far as a possession. It may be an achievement. What is that thing? If you write the question down, <laughs> if you, even if you don't have an answer now. Because throughout the week, I want you to put that question, commit that question to prayer before God and see what unsurfaces. But the follow-up question to that is what if you never get that thing? Can you be content if you never get it? Can you be content if you never achieve it. If you can't see yourself being content without that thing, then that says something that you need to address. Because as a follower of Christ, we can't walk with our contentment being in a certain thing or a certain achievement. Our contentment has to be rooted in him. There comes a time, I'm going to ask you all to stand up. There's been many a debate on what the thorn was that Paul prayed to God to take from him. And whatever it is, it was a real irritant. It's a real problem. He prayed to him three times to remove it. And God's response was, my grace is sufficient for you. In this, you know, it's been, the life has been referred to as a rat race. I mean, it can be. Maybe that's the best picture or analogy the world can come up with. But life is precious. And it's short. I don't know what your aspirations were. are. Aspirations are good because they drive us and motivate us to go after things and achieve but we don't want them to have a hold of us. We want to be holy and separate to God. And whatever it is that you have in your mind or your heart as a 
thing to acquire or to possess that if you had it, you would be satisfied. You would be happy. You would be content. My challenge to you is, what about those days when you don't have it? You should be content without that thing that will make you happy. Why aren't you? Where have you been finding your contentment? If it isn't in the Lord, whatever you've been finding your contentment in is fleeting. It does not fully satisfy and it's fleeting. Respond with humble obedience to the call of God to reorient your perspective Reorient your priorities to where he is at the top. The number one priority and there is nothing even close. To where it doesn't matter what you have and what you don't have. Doesn't matter what you want or what you don't want. It doesn't matter what you aspire to. It doesn't matter where you're located. It doesn't matter if you're in a good situation or a bad situation. Your contentment, you're able to be content because your contentment is rooted in him. And I exhort you to accept that challenge from God. Be honest, transparent with him. And let him do the work in your life that needs to be done. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your wonderful word. I thank you, Father God, for the heart of your people who receive this word with humble hearts and hearts that desire to please you. And because of that, Lord, I believe that the seed of this word is going to germinate and it's going to produce abundant fruit in each and every life represented, each and each and every life here and listening online, Lord, for your glory. Their lights will shine in the darkness. Their lights will shine in front of depraved minds who don't know the truth. Their lights will shine no matter the circumstance that they find themselves in. Their light will shine for you in your glory, whether they are getting what they want or not. Because they will be walking in godliness with contentment. They won't be slaves to enough never being enough. They won't be limited by a perspective that's carnal in nature instead of having the kingdom perspective displayed by Paul. 
And even when they encounter circumstances beyond their control, that isn't due to their own choices and, and whatnot, when trials and tribulations occur, they will still be content. Not because they enjoy those situations, but they will be content knowing that the God of creation is with them in their circumstance. That if he allowed it to happen, it's not too much for them to bear because he promised he wouldn't put more on us than we can bear. So if we're in it, we can bear it. He said he'd be there with us. He would never leave us nor forsake us. So he's in it with us. And he also said, while never promising favorable circumstances, he said that he's able to work all things together for our good. So somehow, some way, this thing is going to redound to our good. And so, Lord, I can be content with those things. Because at the heart of all of it is, do I trust you? To be the faithful one, the same yesterday, today, forever. Amidst all the change, do I trust the fact that you don't change? That you are ever faithful. So I just thank you, Father God, that as decisions are being made, as perspectives are being changed, as, as what we find our contentment in begins to line up with your word, I'm excited about the new ways in which they're going, that, that we all, as your children, Father God, are going to know you in greater ways. We're going to, there's going to be an even more depth to our relationship with you as we see you do in our lives things that are just as impactful as what you did in Paul's life when he was in all of those terrible situations content that he was walking in obedience with you and that you were with him and that you were somehow going to turn it for his good father there is a jailer and his whole family that got saved because Paul was in a bad situation Paul and Silas was in a bad situation. But they turned to you. And Lord, I see similar impact in these lives represented today. We give you glory and praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.